gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Regulators Podcast. I am your host, Waldo. Thank you, as always, for joining us for another amazing, amazing week on the Regulators Podcast. So much to get into this week, and I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling frisky. Uh, part of that is the amount of double talls that I have consumed this evening, so that's a small bit. And the other part is just there's there's too many people on the internet that I would like to wring their necks, um, but we can't address all of them. But we we, we may touch on a few of them tonight, um, tonight today, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you. Let's get right into it. A lot of stuff to get to, and uh, right out of the gate, a lot of talk in the news about John Gruden. So for those who aren't aware. Um, John Gruden had some minor victories in his court case where basically the judge dismissed uh, any, actually the motions to dismiss, the judge denied. So the case is moving forward, which is a good thing for him and his camp. And John Gruden says that the NFL was on a malicious, excuse me, was on a malicious campaign to get him fired. And now his legal case is moving forward. So first of all, I would like to say collectively, uh, no shit. There is not a chance in hell that you can convince me that the NFL has been sitting on 100,000 emails and the only person that gets implicated in any of this are emails from John Gruden? Fuck out of here, man. Like, like we know the truth. We, we know what the situation is. Now... When news of this broke earlier this week and they started talking about the court case, I responded to a post about the Gruden case, stating that, well, did the NFL make you say all those horrible things too? Because here's my problem, okay? I am convinced that the NFL did him dirty. And so he's going to take any legal recourse that he has. Um, But I'm also convinced that John Gruden deserved it. So the problem is that a lot of people sing like a canary the second that they get pinched and they start pointing fingers at everyone else who is guilty instead of taking responsibility. Now, I am sure that the NFL is covering up all kinds of things, John, but they didn't tell you to go be a bigot in your corporate fucking emails. Like, and this is what it always comes back to for me, right? It's 2022. Like, we live in the world of information and technology. Now, I'm not saying that John Gruden has to be a master of Twitter and Instagram, that he needs his own TikTok channel, but you need to be aware of the environment that you are in. So even if you do not have a problem with him being a bigot and him saying these horrible things, you know... um, in emails and behind closed doors and whatever, even if you don't have a problem of who he is as a person and that person being the leader of your locker room, you should have a problem with the fact that he was too fucking stupid to think, hmm, this is a bad idea to send through my corporate email 
this is probably a bad idea. If you can't tell that gray area of where this is acceptable to send in a company email and this is not, then you're too stupid to be a leader in 2022. Like, that's where I fall on that. Like, that, I, I'm sorry, this is my personal opinion, but, and again, this is where it goes back to, I'm sure John has a case. I'm sure the NFL did him dirty. But you did yourself dirty, John. So, anyways, long story short, I respond on Twitter um, about the case, about something, and, you know, say, well, you know, this may be true, but they didn't put a gun to your head and, and force you to say these horrible things. And some uppity bitch chimes in on Twitter and says, Ever heard of freedom of speech? Just because you don't approve of his speech doesn't mean it's illegal to say it. End quote. That was a direct quote. Now, before I get to Dollar Store Sarah Palin, I would like to say that this is not a political show. You guys know I don't get into politics at all. I try to keep it sports 100 because you know what? We already over-politicize the shit out of everything. But I'd like to address this KFC manager hoe bitch that felt the need to go ham in my mentions and the general populace at large. Just in case somebody out there stumbles into a town hall meeting one day and doesn't want to get mistaken for a total dipshit, let's go over some things. John Gruden did not get arrested. No one accused him of breaking the law, but that doesn't mean that you can say whatever you want without repercussions, right? You can't walk past the secretary and say, hey, sugar tits, nice ass today. You'd get fired. I'd get fired, and while we wouldn't go to jail, we would be held responsible for our actions. Now, when I tried to explain this to the Wish.com version of Dog the Bounty Hunter, she said that any repercussions are against freedom of speech. And, you know, I don't think most people have a fucking clue what the First Amendment is. So here's a quick summary. Quote, Congress... Keyword, shall make no laws prohibiting the free exercise or abridging freedom of speech or of the press or the right to peaceably assemble, end quote. That's the amendment. It doesn't say Karen can say whatever the fuck she wants and scream racist remarks at a cashier and her boss can't fire her. It doesn't say that I can verbally threaten people without recourse. It says Congress will not pass laws inhibiting freedom of speech. So fuck off with this whole freedom of speech bullshit, man. You don't know what it means. And it's a rule for Congress that has nothing to do with your job at a privately owned company. So, now that I've had to go all fucking daily show on you motherfuckers, let's try to get back to football. You know, I used to say the worst thing in the offseason was injuries. Just... Cutting season short, career short, injuries, every offseason it happens. Sadly, though, the Falcons announced that Deion Jones is out for the entire season with an injury, and beyond that, we don't know. Um, I started to think about, okay, here we go, they're going to start piling up. But then on Monday, we heard the tragic news of the passing of Jeff Gladney and a passenger in his car 
uh, during a car accident. He was only 25 years old. Uh, my condolences to not just his people, but the friends and the family of the young lady who was in the car with him and all the others who were involved in the tragedy. You know, we also haven't spoken on this show about the loss of life that has occurred over the past few weeks in Texas, Minnesota, New York. And I want to be very clear, it's not that I do not care, because it's gutting to me every single time, and I never get used to it, and maybe we're not supposed to. Um, But I feel that my small, small responsibility in this show is to grant people a reprieve from the 24-7 news cycle of horrific shit that happens in this world. And honestly, I don't know if I'm doing a good job so far this episode, um, but I just wanted to say that my thoughts are always with the victims of these tragedies, and while no amount of words or gestures will bring any of these people back, I am very aware of the impact these moments have on others, and it proves just how fragile life is. We can be gone in a flash, which is why I personally try my best to live every day with purpose, to leave something behind, even if it's something as simple as a laugh or to brighten someone's day. The world could use a little more good in it. So let's all just try to do one tiny thing today that leaves the world a better place than we found it. Now back to our NFL news. The NFL released their cutdown schedule. So, for those of you who may be unaware, there's a 90-man roster that NFL teams hold throughout the offseason. This gives NFL teams the opportunity to bring in undrafted free agents, uh, players who were not signed through free agency that are still available. Sometimes they bring in players purely as a camp body where they know, hey, this is just an extra person who can thrower who can field some things who can help us get some reps at a position or there are players that are kind of on that bubble where they say well let's bring them into our offseason program and then let's get them up through preseason and see if it's somebody who uh, might be able to benefit this team and the NFL released their schedule for the cutdown so on August 16th all NFL teams must reduce their roster from 90 to 85 And then on August 23rd, it goes from 85 to 80. And then the final cut is on August 30th, where an 80-man roster goes down to 53. So that's where the real serious cut comes after that last preseason game. Now remember, August 30th is not the end of the line. So there's a lot of people who are watching people during camp, and they wait till those final roster cuts, and they go, oh, great, that person's safe. Not necessarily. Because first of all, what happens when that 80 to 53, there's, it's not just undrafted free agents. It's not just injured players or people who couldn't make it back. A lot of that 80 to 53 comes down to salary cap issues where they're like, well, we've got this veteran. He's been around for four or five years. He's making veteran money. We have this other person who may not be as good, but you know what? It would save us four or five million dollars in cap space which we could use to upgrade a different position so there's a lot of factors like that that really come into play and that's why after august 30th all of a sudden there's a bunch of people on the market that you didn't expect to be available there's leonard Fournette's out there there's 
players that people didn't expect to be cut. So now teams are looking to bring these players in, which means after that final 53 was cut down, there's still going to be players that end up being cut because the team needs to make room for other players that they want to bring in who were cut somewhere else. So something to consider, but those are the deadlines that we have for this year, the 16th, the 23rd, and the 30th, with which obviously the 30th uh, being the big one. Uh, now, Pat McAfee is rumored to be in talks to have his own simulcast of the Thursday Night Football, which, remember, if, if you forgot, Amazon has taken over Thursday Night Football, so that's going to be an Amazon Prime thing. They're going to have their main broadcast, but rumors are that they are thinking about bringing Pat in for um, a simulcast. And I saw this tweet saying that, you know, Pat McAfee could challenge the Man and Manning brothers simulcast. Well, first of all, no. He couldn't um, because one is Monday Night Football. The other is Thursday Night Football. So they don't even really compete against each other. But if you're trying to say could challenge them for ratings, like, I don't know. Like, I don't even think that's fair. It's like saying, you know, Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football are challenging for ratings. Yeah, sure, maybe on a small scale, but it's, it's still primetime football. What he would be competing with more than the Manning brothers would be competing with his own broadcast team, the the Amazon broadcast team. Now, you know, personally, I would hope that Pat takes it in a little bit different direction than the Manning brothers would because a number of things. I mean, first of all, Pat is amazing. Pat's fucking incredible, and, like, he is, he is a, a fucking beam of light in a dark, dark fucking place that is media and his podcasts and is everything else like that. Like, I fucking stand that man. And, um, you know, we've talked about him and the boys and, and his show before on our podcast. Um, but I would, I would hope being Pat and being as unique as he is, that he would, he would change it up a little bit and he would have a little bit of a different approach for his simulcast that he would do. Now, I don't know what that would entail, but here's my problem with the Manning cast. And I know a lot of people like it, and there's a reason why they're still doing it and why some people watch it, right? I feel like it's probably something better for either A, and I'm talking about just the Manning cast right now, it's probably something better for either A, people who are casual fans, people who, they, they like football, they might watch some of the primetime games, but they don't really, they, they don't have fantasy players playing. They don't have, they're not invested in the same way that somebody else is. Or B, the other type of people who would watch the Manning cast, is when you're watching a horrific game between two teams with shit records that shouldn't be in prime time. I didn't say the NFC East, but that's exactly what you thought of immediately. Um... But just in general, you know, bad matchups, you really don't want to watch. So you flip over to the Manning cast, and all of a sudden, Eli and Peyton are picking on each other, giving each other shit. You got Marshawn Lynch dropping curse words. You know, yeah, you have some entertaining stories and some things to kind of keep you entertained while the game's going on in the background. Like, I get that. Like, 
you know, those those to me are the reasons why someone would watch the Manning cast. However, for me personally, I am every football game that I watch, I am fucking invested. Now, granted, if I'm watching a matchup between two serious teams that have a lot on the line and I have fantasy players and, 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 like, maybe I have a bet on the game. Like, there's a lot of things where I'm going to be juiced into the game and I'm going to be really in there. But even in general, when I'm watching a football game, I am I am plugged in. I'm dialed in. I want to know every stat that's going on. I want to know everything that's happening. I want to hear what the announcers are saying. Like, I can't stand, if you've ever been to a football party, let's say a Super Bowl party is, is the worst when this happens, but if you've ever been to a party and someone said, oh yeah, we're going to have the game on, etc., etc., you go there and everybody's talking shit and like having conversations in the back, they're barely paying attention to the TV and they're just shouting obscene nonsense to each other about other sidebar conversations and you can't hear the fucking TV. And you just want to be like, can everyone shut the fuck up? Like, so I can hear what the hell's going on in the game? Like, maybe that's just me. Maybe I have a problem. But I I thoroughly enjoy everything about the sport of football. I enjoy hearing the announcers, even when they're the announcers that maybe aren't my favorite announcers. But I enjoy all of it. And therefore, I don't like the Manning cast because what it feels like to me is... I'm listening to a podcast with a football game playing in the background. Maybe it's my ADD. Fuck me. You know, maybe it's my problem. Maybe I can't concentrate on two things at once. Maybe it's just too much for me. But I can't. I want to listen to the funny story. And like, that's great. Like, maybe the next day I could watch a rewind and, and listen to the stories or something like that. But I, I can't, I can't, I can't handle both. I can't listen to... The Mannings go back and forth and then also pay attention to the game and then they're talking over like amazing plays that are happening and I'm just like, this is not, this this, it's not for me. It's not for me, right? But it's for a lot of people. Obviously, the ratings have proven it's a thing. So, allegedly, Pat's going to take a stab at it. You know, I mean, everything he's got going on with the wrestling and, you know, his own show and everything else, like, hell, why not, man? I mean, he if anybody can pull it off, Pat can. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if it comes to fruition. Now, let's talk about some news nuggets. So David Njoku is now the fifth highest paid tight end in the National Football League. He signed a four-year, $57.8 million extension. Respectfully, I think he started 17 games in the last three years. And during that time, I believe he averaged 22 yards a game. Like, listen, Zach Ertz went out and got his bag, but he had a season with almost 1,200 yards in it, which is pretty much double anything David Njoku has ever done in a season. And now Zach Ertz is going to make less money than a guy who averages two catches a game in his career. That's a ton of money for two catches a game. Now, I'm not saying your boy isn't talented. Don't you put that on me. I'm not saying there hasn't been 
quarterback issues for him. Fair point. I'm just saying that I personally do not think he's top five money. If you were to list the top five and the top five guys who should be paid as such, he's not there for me. But hey, it's the Browns' problem, not mine. It's not my money. And hopefully he builds rapport with Deshaun Watson. And who knows what's possible? I mean, the Browns obviously see enough talent there to make a deal like that. And we will see what happens. So with that deal being done, as of this moment, there are only four players left who received the franchise tag and have not gotten long-term deals worked out. So that'd be Jesse Bates with the Cincinnati Bengals, Mike Gesicki, with uh, the Miami Dolphins, Orlando Brown in KC, and Dalton Schultz in Dallas. So those are the four players who were franchise tagged but have yet to work out a long-term extension. Now, speaking of tight ends, do you know that the New England Patriots have $31.8 million allocated to their tight end room this season? It's 15.1% of their cap is going to the tight end room. This is not only more than $12 million more than any other team is paying their tight end room, but it's also more cap money than the Broncos, the Bucks, and the Cowboys are paying their quarterback room. So think about that. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. None of those quarterback rooms are making as much as the New England Patriots tight end room. I don't know if that's the wisest spend of money. But we'll see. If anybody can, you know, rub it in your face and say, fuck you, I know what I'm doing, it's Billy B, baby. So we'll find out. Also... You want to talk about managing the cap? Here's a fun one for you. Tom Brady's cap hit this year for the Buccaneers, $11.9 million. Jared Goff's cap hit this year for the Lions, $31.2 million. Now I get it. You know, people are going to say, well, yeah, but Brady has ghost years on in the end. And so he's like, yes, valid points. All apt points. And they'll kick the can down the road or they'll spread some things and hopefully they won't get in trouble like the Saints did. Like, I I hear you, right? But it's just an interesting figure. There are teams that can push to the brink where they can keep adding voidable years on contracts. They can do all kinds of crazy things because they have like an aging veteran and they're going to try to push for that Super Bowl like the Saints tried to do, right? You had your Breeze, future Hall of Famer. You're like, all right, we got Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. We got these pieces. We got we got to just keep pushing. But you never got to the finish line. And now the Saints are perpetually in cap hell and they're, they're going to have to try to fix those issues. But when you're not in those situations and you're getting into cap trouble, that's when it's like, yeesh. You know, what are you doing? I mean, the Lions definitely are not a player away from competing for Super Bowls. So just an interesting stat that I found that 
Goff's cap hit is basically three times the amount of what Jared Goff's is this year for the Lions. So that should help the Buccaneers a little bit. But, you know, I had actually posted that information on Facebook. And I actually, I'm almost never on Facebook, right? But I do belong to a lot of sports groups, NFL meme groups, and things like that. So every once in a while, I go, oh, shit, why haven't I posted in a while? And so I'll go post a stat or a meme or some information on one of these NFL groups. So I posted this Brady and Jared Goff thing in a Facebook group, and man, did I make friends quick. Like, what the fuck is wrong with people? I mean, starting with the fact that everybody had to try to mansplain to me how the salary cap worked and how things were this and how this didn't really that and how the Lions, you know, weren't going to owe Goff anything next year, which, first of all, if they cut him, they'd still owe him $10 million. They'd still have $10 million uh, dead cap that they'd have to eat. So, but regardless... The fact that instead of anyone saying that, hey, that's an interesting point, but obviously Brady has ghost years, so it's still kind of the same amount of money, or hey, if you look at his, like, like, there was a few people who put out some relevant information, and they were right, and I wasn't trying to argue with anyone, I just thought it was an interesting stat line, because when you look at here's how you can build around Brady and make sure you have enough money to bring Gronk back, and make sure you have enough money to bring all these pieces in, and make sure you can make a run at a Super Bowl. I found it interesting. Whereas there's a lot of people who are so quick to condescend and say, LOL, bud, tell me you've never watched football before. God, this is the dumbest thing anyone has ever said in the history of saying things like, God, I feel bad for these people. Like, first of all, it immediately reminds me why I never use Facebook. Because I'm part of sports twitter if you make sports twitter look like a peaceful place then you gotta be doing some fuckery because sports twitter is a shit show but facebook makes it look like the fucking garden of eden because everybody on facebook is just immediately coming out blasting guns blazing ready to fucking shoot through everything and just talk shit to anyone and everything And what's crazy to me, what blows my fucking mind the most is that I can click on the profiles of most of these people who are talking shit and name calling and being really condescending little fucking pricks and I can see their pictures, their place of employment, where they live, etc, etc. I'm not a crazy fucking person, but I feel like there are crazy people out there. So if you're going to be talking that kind of shit and really escalating issues like out of fucking nowhere, should you do it from your personal Facebook page? That's all I'm saying. Nickel's worth of free fucking advice. But it just blows my mind. I had posted another post in one of the groups about the fact that Darren McFadden Cadillac Williams, and even Jim Harbaugh, yes, the coach of Michigan, all three of those players have more rushing yards than Bo Jackson, and everyone lost their shit. Everybody went fucking ham on, Bo Jackson's like the greatest player ever, he played two sports, like, 
Jesus, bro. Are you fucking serious? But let's get into it. Now that it's apparently an issue. So Bo Jackson only started 23 games in the NFL. And he played in a total of 38 games. That's about two seasons worth of football. He never had a 1,000-yard season and only went over 700 yards once and it was with 173 fucking carries. He is not in the top 300 rushing leaders all time and he doesn't even have enough carries to have his yards per attempt listed in the record books. Now, am I trying to shit on one of the greatest two-sport athletes ever? No! I loved Bo Jackson. My grandpa named every one of his fucking dogs Bo after Bo Jackson. They died, gets a new dog, dog's name is Bo. Every dog was Bo, because Bo knows. Who do you think I fucking played in Tech Mobile? Everybody loved Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson was the shit. But I just think the fact that he was a cheat code in Tecmo Bowl, we over-glorify his very rapid and sad demise in the game of football. He only played in 38 total games and had his career cut short due to injury. Listen, I'm the first one who would have loved to see what could have been. One of the most exciting fucking players to root for. But I used the example of Jim fucking Harbaugh having more rushing yards than him to show just how short Bo's career was and how he never got that chance to show us if he could have been one of the all-time greats. He was a monster as a rookie with his most efficient year happening that first scene. That first season as a rookie. And even still in that season, he only tallied 554 rushing yards and four touchdowns. So I'm not trying to throw shade at Bo fucking Jackson. It's just a reminder that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, not the basketball player, the one who briefly was a running back for the Miami Dolphins, has more rushing yards than Bo Jackson. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at least had a 1,000-yard season to show for it. So let's keep a little fucking perspective with our heroes. I'm so sick of every time I post a stat or every time I... And it's, again, it's it's mainly on Facebook, but it happens a lot on Twitter. I post some information and someone goes, Tom Brady's the best quarterback ever. You can't shit on Tommy. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not shitting on anybody. I'm, I'm posting factual information. Nothing, you will never ever see us write these subjective fucking columns where we're like, here's the top five greatest tight ends of all time and here's why, like fucking, that's not what we do. We don't do that shit. What we will say is, here's the top five most receptions by a tight end in NFL history. And even that, all of a sudden is controversial. Because it's like, well, this guy's not on the list, but that's because he got injured and his coach was shitty and then his quarterback was garbage. Okay, then he's not on the list. Like, I never said, like, I never said he wasn't. Like, I never said that these weren't fucking reasons to not be on that list. I'm just stating the fucking facts. If you have problems with the facts, the real problem you have is with yourself. 
So keep some perspective out there, okay? And just, it's not that serious. I promise you, it's not that fucking serious. Now we get to my favorite story of the week as I almost spill my fucking drink. That would have been a true tragedy. But favorite story of the week, we switch gears over to baseball. Where the Reds outfielder Tommy Pham slapped Giants outfielder Jock Penderson in a pregame altercation over a fantasy football grudge from last season. Now, this is amazing for me. Apparently, it had to do with IR slots and stashing players. And I both love that Pham was so petty that he held this grudge for months right? Like, and the fact that it led to a physical altercation. My man plays an actual real sport for a living. He plays an actual real sport. And now he got suspended over a fantasy league. But my favorite part, my favorite part in all of this is when fam is trying to tell his side of the story. And he says, quote, too much money on the line. He was messing with my money. I'm a big dog in Vegas. I'm a high roller at many casinos. End quote. Um, what the fuck? Sh- sh- shut your mouth. Just, j- j- just, just, just shut your mouth. Now, is there anything technically illegal about a major league player being in a casino? Nope. But I'll tell you what, if you're a quote high roller and you're spending lots and lots of money in Vegas, which first of all had nothing to like what what is it? You could have stopped it and said, ah, oh, there was a lot of money involved and I think he did me wrong and I addressed it. Done. Why are you fucking bringing up that I'm a big dog in Vegas? I'm a high roller at many casinos. I'm in the casinos all the fucking time. Like, do you really want Major League Baseball? Fucking taking a look at what's going on in Vegas. Like, wh- what you do? We-, we saw what happened to Calvin Ridley. Like, the dumbest fucking thing. Like, bet what to Calvin Ridley was like no money on a game that he had his team winning and he wasn't even with the team. He was away from the team. Like, so it was so bizarre and we saw what happened there. Do you really want baseball to start keeping an eye on every time you go to Vegas and, oh, shit, he's been there like eight times this month? That's probably not good, you know, because, God forbid, you get into debt and you owe some people some money. Well, that's how things start fucking happening. So, not 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 the smartest thing that you could have said. Anyways, I would love to hear from you guys what the craziest fight or altercation, disagreement that your fantasy league has ever been. So I'm going to put this out on the Twitter page. Tell us on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod. We've had our share of pissed off people in some of my leagues, and it's definitely driven me to be a better commissioner overall. And this offseason, I'm going to get into my commandments for running a good fantasy football league. But the biggest melees always seem to kind of start around trades. And I 
used to have a system where people could vote down trades in our league with a majority vote. And it just, it always led to chaos. Shouts of collusion and all kinds of drama. And so people would just start fucking downvoting every trade. So people would vote against trades just because it involves someone with a good record, etc. We even had one guy who I love like a fucking brother um, tell us that he would vote to veto his own trades because he would immediately have buyer's remorse. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, this is just too much drama. So I tossed it. I tossed it completely. Um, the commissioner now is the only person who has rights to veto, and it needs to be really, really extreme for me to veto. If you're just a dumbass and you make a bad trade, well, that's on you. And I feel like it's different because we have a group of guys that have been together for a decade. Everybody is really competitive. Everybody plays extremely hard. And so it's very unlikely that anybody would even take any kind of bribe in any scenario um, to execute a trade or anything like that. But another one that has come up often in fantasy is when two people are fighting for the championship and players are already eliminated in the playoffs and those players are picking up people off of waivers. Now, in general, I could see how this could upset some people. Um, why are you picking up players on your waivers? You're not in it anymore. That's, that's fucking dumb, and you just don't want me to win. You want your boy to win, whatever, whatever. But it definitely depends on your league. So I'll give you an example. In our league, we have a loser bowl, which a lot of people have. You come in last place, there is a very severe punishment. So we have a loser bowl that no one, and I mean no one, wants to lose. So even those that have been eliminated may still have something to play for. So at that point, all is fair. Everybody's trying to make sure that they either win their championship round or that they don't end up uh, as the last place finisher, etc. So at the end of the day, though, it's really up to commissioners to have well-documented rules and fair oversight. That way, someone doesn't get slapped in the face six months later. Um, But I really would love to hear you guys' stories about your fantasy league, what rules you've kind of put in place, what crazy stories you have. Just send us your submissions, um, and I'll I'll probably tie it to a giveaway. I will probably put something uh, together to try to make it a giveaway because I would love to hear some of these stories. So I want to hear from you guys. And then perhaps next week we will start going full fantasy and start looking towards the season. I mean, we are, what is it? I think like 63 fucking days from uh, the Hall of Fame game. Like we're we're getting very, very close to football. So I am fucking excited, man. I can't wait. I think we're just under 100 days now for the regular season. And... Uh, I, I can't fucking wait for football to be here, man. I'm so glad it, it feels like it's speeding up. Maybe not fast enough, but I promise it's going to be here before you know it. So you guys know that I kind of keep these short during the summer, but I always do try to keep in touch, and that's why I always love catching up on Twitter. Hit us up at Regulators Pod, day or night, and listen, let's go have a good fucking week, all right? 
the haters, the bullshit, whether it's friends, family, coworkers, boss, fucking fuck them. Fuck them, man. Create your little zen space, create your little bubble, and don't let nobody penetrate that shit. Like, just, just fucking kill it this week. So, I love you guys. I look forward to jumping in the chat and everything with you on Twitter. And look for us next week. Episodes every fucking Wednesday. And you know what? If you want to do me a solid, if you want to do me a real favor, the only way we grow is when people tell people. So, all you got to do, text this podcast to one fucking friend that hasn't listened to our podcast. DM it to one person. Or... If, you're, if you really don't want to go that personal, just retweet it. Go to our Twitter page, find the pinned tweet, which is going to be this podcast. Just give it a retweet. Maybe a couple of kind words. I appreciate it. You know, there's some people like Don that do it every fucking week, Dustin. Um, I love you guys, man. Like, like, you keep us going, and I love everybody who spreads the love. So, appreciate you guys. We'll catch you next fucking week. You know how we go out. Go! Yeah. Regulators!